Okay, hello gang, uh, Chapo coming at you. But before we start the show, just a little bit of house cleaning. Uh, we rarely do this because of uh, how much we uh, despise it. But we are giving you an opportunity to call in and submit questions to us. So here are the following instructions. In the next week or so, we are doing yet another call-in show. So here's how we're going to do it this time. We've, we've run this in various ways in the past, but we're going to do it. Pay close attention to these instructions. If you would like to submit an audio question for us to be aired in a future episode, record a message of under 30 seconds, a voice memo on your phone, pull up the voice memo, and record a message of no more than 30 seconds. If it is even one second past 30, it will not even be listened to. You can record. You don't have to do a voice memo. You can do Audacity. Any any method that you would like of recording audio, record your question of under 30 seconds and email it to calls at chapotraphouse.com. Uh, you can please put the subject of the question in the subject line of the email and maybe a brief description of what you're asking for in the email body. But if the text is longer than like three or four lines, we will also be immediately deleting it. So keep it simple. Okay, so you will have uh, 24 hours from the moment this episode is published to midnight tomorrow, Tuesday, October 25th, to submit your questions. So say again, email your audio questions to calls at chopotraphouse.com within the next 24 hours, and you will stand the best chance for having your question aired and answered by us on a future call-in episode. One more time. An audio message of no longer than 30 seconds emailed to calls at chopotraphouse.com, subject of the question in the subject line of the email. Okay, let's start the show. Uh, greetings, friends. It's Monday, October 24th. We've got uh, Chapo coming at you. Uh, me, Matt Felix, as usual. And I suppose to uh, kick off this episode, uh, I'd like to talk about, you know, Halloween is coming up. Um, the, the crisp chill in the autumn air uh, augurs dead souls coming back to haunt the living. And this spooky season, it seems to me like Americans are more frightened than ever. What are they afraid of? Well, I'd like to talk about two things Americans are afraid of. Uh, the first is uh, murals in schools uh, that possibly contain demons, and the other is voting. So just two things on uh, Americans' mind. Uh, but the first, story, the first story of Halloween defright comes courtesy of a Michigan high school. Uh, they commissioned a teen, a high schooler, to draw a mural for them, and that's where our story begins. Have you guys seen this story? Uh, I yeah, too, I was too scared. I was too scared. Uh, to read it. <laughs> a uh, uh, bone chilling 13 year old, I believe, uh, drew a she drew some type of uh, mural, except like the type of mural that you see in any school or like under any bridge where some part of your city is doing an urban renewal project, just something you like walk by. And um, I think a dozen people have been sucked into hell through it. Am I getting that right? Yeah, yeah that, that um, the number as of as of the time of the recording. Yeah, there's been uh, yeah, there's been the, the hell mouth has been opened by this this horrific you know uh, Bosch like canvas of demonic horrors. Um, let's just read the article here. This courtesy of NBC News. 
A high school artist was chosen to paint a mural. Then came the outrage. A mural painted by a high school student came under fire when parents alleged it was promoting LGBTQ imagery and witchcraft. Earlier this year, a Grant Michigan High School sophomore won a contest to brighten up the middle school health center, according to a statement from Grant Public Schools. Grant Public Schools said the student received approval to paint images of smiling children, as well as the message, stay healthy. Okay, well, I mean, that's that's a problem right there. That's pretty fucked Uh, up. You're going to (laughs) tell me that health is better than being sickly? You're going to tell me Um, that that is a a superior state of being? This is, uh, there's neither here nor there, but... um isn't it kind of funny that conservatives did like the current fat activism that we see now when Michelle Obama <laughs> did the school lunches? I was just thinking yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, like, no, that, that was like, you know, 10, 10, 12 years ago. Um, yeah. The Michelle Obama. Hey, hey, kids, how about eating vegetables? And then they were like, how dare you? How dare you? Tell me, you know, to do my bodies and spaces. But now that everyone's obsessed with seed oils and soy and shit like that, they're like, can we get some vegetables for kids, please? Sorry. Kids, they, they would be eating carrots and celery and things like that, but no, their souls are being sucked into hell through murals. Yeah, it's it's tough, you know. No one, no one wants that to happen. You send your kid off to school, you know, hoping that they'll, uh, you know, they'll be like a Rudy type walk on to the football team. <laughs> you know, maybe that they'll, uh, maybe they'll make friends with a chemistry teacher, develop a business oh, right. relationship that uh, goes uh, past that. Maybe that uh, maybe they find another boy and they stop smugglers. The things that maybe they'll be euphoria themselves. What you don't want is your kid to be sucked into in- eternal damnation forever. You can't get them out. You've tried calling the superintendent. They say that they have to call their boss to contact hell. <laughs> I mean, well, one thing's for sure. You cannot get your kid's soul back from the underworld at a PTA meeting. Although parents are trying. Uh, it says here. In the painting, there are three children. A boy is seen in a light blue, pink, and white t-shirt, the colors of the transgender pride flag. A girl wears pink, royal blue, and purple, the colors of the bisexual flag. And a second girl is in a rainbow pride colors. Uh, It says GPS superintendent Brett Zuver was a contest judge. He did not respond to an email asking if he understood the meaning of the colors when the student's design was chosen as the winner. GPS said the final mural included some features that were not part of the agreement, including a demon face inspired by a popular video game called Genshin Impact. Uh, Felix, are you familiar with Genshin Impact or any any potential demonic influences? I've heard of it. I've never uh, played it. Um, It's like... um I think it's one of those games where you you play as a girl who's like just not dressed right for her mission of uh, beating up monsters. You know, she's wearing like a pencil skirt and she has a big sword. <laughs> if it's the one I'm thinking of, uh, this um, people always send me angry emails when I get the premise of these types of things wrong. <laughs> but you know, I mean, is, is the video game demon related? Okay. Well. Oh wow. Okay. I don't think this is, I think if there's any demons in this, the girl in the pencil skirt is fighting them. Okay. Um, chapter three, the traveler, I guess that's the pencil skirt girl's name. Uh, I would change into something, some type of pants doing that. If you're traveling, she departs for Sumuru in search of lesser Lord Kunisali. She realizes she's the Dendro Archon. That sounds a little demon, but, um, I mean, it sounds like she's fighting demons. I don't know. What do I know? I've never played this game. Dendro Archon. So the hair demon? Is that the idea? 
Yeah, it's um, it's this awful demon um, that when it curses you, you have to use Head and Shoulders, which is one of the worst smelling shampoos, <laughs> and makes your hair really dry. Uh, it, it, yeah, so it contained a demon face from the popular video game, and also uh, a Hamsa hand, also known as the Hand of Fatima or Hand of Mary. The palm-shaped design has been a symbol for good luck or protection for centuries in many cultures, including Latin America. Okay, that sounds like Catholic devilry to me. So that's one possible demonic influence and then one absolutely confirmed demonic influence in this high school mural. Uh, going on here, it says, at a school board meeting on October 10th, parents accused the student artist of promoting witchcraft by including the Hamza hand as well as the video game character that bears the likeness of a demon. Parents also objected to the use of LGBTQ colors. I put my art up there to make people feel welcome, the student artist said, her voice breaking and footage captured at the meeting by WZZM-TV, a local news station based in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I put my art up there to make people feel welcomed. That's how Grant High School student Evelyn Gonzalez describes this mural. She painted it inside the middle school's Teen Health Center, and parents are concerned about some of its content. I feel like she did a really good job finding excuses to defend the things she put on. None of us are that stupid. Parents allege the video game character is actually a depiction of Satan and that the hand symbol is demonic, with several even using the word witchcraft to describe it. That's not what I'm a part of, and that's not what I'm trying to put out there. As for the transgender flag, one parent implied it's a sickness. When adults pretend things that are like real life, it's a mental illness. We need counselors. We need the medication that's going to help bipolar disorder fix their brains. With another saying it's discriminatory against Christian beliefs. We and our administration should... Uh, embrace that and get all of this hate material out of our schools because it is hate material. I feel she did a good job finding excuses to defend the things you put on. None of us are that stupid. Okay, uh, to that unnamed adult at this parent-teacher association meeting, I can assure you that you are that stupid. And I guess like th this story has left me in feeling fairly bleak because it's just sort of like, it's 2022 now, and it seems like pretty much half the country is convinced that um, witchcraft is real. And in, in basically like uh, teachers and students at local high schools are agents of the devil. I mean, the way I, I guess the best way I saw this described is mostly middle class or well-off people in the wealthiest nation in the 21st century now have fully the mindset of medieval peasants, but without any of the socioeconomic, socioeconomic justifications for it. So, I mean, what, what do we make of this? What do you make of this country descending into, like, the, just total, the total ignorant savagery of just, like, you know, just being haunted by literal demons and witchcraft and seeking to sort of prosecute any, uh, you know, seeking to prosecute children, essentially, for doing uh, devilry to them? It's, yeah, no, everyone is exactly, or not everyone, just like a very big part of this country is like as stupid as people were uh, when you used to have like 13 kids because you, 10 of them were going to die. I don't know. I got I to say it's the phones. You know, it's a ton of things, but phones aren't helping. You, you, have, you have the conditions of like this vague feeling that you're at the end of something that you got in at the end of something that like just, it just gives you this like ambient shitty feeling. And I mean that you're already going to do goofy shit and like, you know, at best irritate people at worst, like 
kill somebody because you someone told you that they levitated. But when you have this feeling that you're at the end of something and you're given the opportunity to like solve a puzzle created in a collaborative fiction environment by people exactly as stupid as you, this will be like the exact outcome. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> people are trying to figure out what's going on. Why do they feel the way they do? And there's no help coming from any of the the uh, the institutions that are supposed to generate our collective reality because you know, they have been uh, uh, <clears throat> delegitimized by the fact that they keep telling you that everything's okay, which it clearly isn't. And so where are you going to go to find an answer? And the only place is uh, to... You're the people who you uh, have the most like cultural affinity with because they're the ones you're going to be able to communicate most effectively with. And what are they getting? Where, where are they getting their ideas? Just they're they're pill they're pulling them off of the fucking junk pile uh, of of information that's being dumped into their face by people trying to make a fucking buck off of them. And th then they're going to create their own narratives that have the benefit of being against whatever uh you know ma uh, discredited mainstream structures exist but have a base in just their ambient cultural anxieties. So they'll never be able to address like any real uh, sources of their disquiet. They can only uh, find a scapegoat because uh, that's the only path forward. Like you can't uh, meaningfully uh, confront the people responsible for anything going wrong in this country. You can go and make a fucking teenager cry at a school board meeting though. You yeah. can do that. Then you can feel like like you're doing something because you had the experience of uh of totally owning this demon child. Yeah, and I like I don't necessarily like I, I don't really think like it's like poor people or like working class people or like even necessarily like struggling middle class people doing a lot of this, right? I feel like it's a lot of the times this is like this is people who who are comfortable but just like are are kind of aware that the party is going to be done soon without verbal. Well, they, I mean, they have, they. I mean, some of them aren't poor necessarily, but are they're not confident that whatever comfort they have is going to last. And if they have kids, they certainly don't think their kids are going to have anything like what they had. But it is interesting how many of the people who show up for these things don't even fucking have kids. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the best. That's the best yeah. type of person. Just be like, yeah, like if if I had a teenager or children at all, I would be terrified of this mural being in their school. And I guess like, I mean, like, like the really the sinister thing about all this is like, yeah, like there've always been like wacky people who are obsessed with things like, you know, like the Satan is in heavy metal music and shit like that. But it does seem to me like that a real driving force behind all of this is a hatred of children and like, like. The fact that like this is all done under the guise of preventing children from being abused, and the way they're going to go about doing that is abusing children. Well, yeah, hating children is hating the future, right? Yeah, because these I mean, people yeah. feel like they have no place in the future. So to make, I think, I think it's interesting that schools are now being made like the battleground of this culture war, because I think like every new life represents to these people a future that they won't belong to, right? Or well, they won't be in. I don't. know. I think the most like. Uh, the people who had the most like antipathy towards children publicly used to be like the most misanthropic like Reddit or forum posters, right? Like the r slash child free people or just like before that, the people on something awful who coined crotch spawn, you know, people who, who whether they saw children or not, were not uh, entirely optimistic about their future. I don't know how articulated these people's feelings about the future is, but I do. I don't know. I feel like there is a 
an awareness on some level that the America where you can get uh you could get like fucking seven pounds of food for five dollars is not going to exist. That the spoils of empire are not going to be as easily won and distributed as maybe they were. But of course, like it's it's never like verbalized like that or maybe maybe they're not aware of it in that sense i don't know if it's consciously something like oh there's a future without us i think for some of them for some of the more explicitly like racialized ones right yeah definitely i don't know i feel like for this type of person like the demon hunting moms and in some cases uh childless people it's just this ambient ambient terror like when a when a child when a child finds out about mortality for the first time a screaming child realizing that one day they and everyone they know will die i don't know i'm just like i'm just trying to think like you know previous like you know witch panics in american history and if you were like you know some calvinist psycho in the 17th century living in like what wasn't even like a developed part of new england like you know the witch basically you're eating ergot you're fucking talking to god every day i could easily imagine how, you know, some widow who has a cow that gives milk and yours doesn't. I could easily understand how that could, like, manifest into some sort of hallucinatory witch panic. But, because, you know, like, life was fucking dangerous and hard back then. But I think, like, whether it's this satanic panic shit now or, like, those TikToks about, like, you know, oh, if someone leaves a bag by your car, they're going to kidnap you. I mean, do you think this is just sort of like, yeah, on the one hand, we feel like the, the sort of threads and sort of the tied society together and our feeling of uh, sort of our feeling of being assured of the future is less founded than it used to be. But at the same time, overwhelmingly, life in America in the 21st century is unbelievably safe and boring. So like, is, is this like you said, this sort of auto fiction in which people can create a reality for themselves that is more, I don't know, vital or terrifying or like, you know, just sort of exciting, entertaining than the one they currently inhabit. Yeah, and also talking themselves up to the point where they can uh, enjoy a future of politics where all they're voting, all they're really voting for, uh, is who gets to be publicly uh, punished and and uh, uh, brutalized, who they get to vicariously enjoy the the suffering of, because there's nothing else, there's no other political choices to be made. There's no there's no ameliorative ameliorating of conditions. Uh, that's that ship has sailed. But we still have the capacity to punish, and and the more we are terrified of some uh, self-generated uh, enemy that's that's internal and is going to get us, the more uh, relief we can feel when we watch them be uh, destroyed by agents of the state. Well, yeah, now it's like you know the, the the people who these people want to punish are like high school kids, or or younger. I mean, and like, but it's all done under the guise of preventing child abuse. Like you know, Felix, you talked about the the Reddit child-free crotch bun people, like those people genuinely hated kids and wouldn't care what, one way or the other whether they lived or died. But these people are all claimed to be protecting children while they are carrying out, you know, literal child abuse. You know, I'm sure plenty of it is sexual in nature, but like so a lot of, most of it, I would just hazard a guess, is just plain old run-of-the-mill child abuse. Yeah, no, I mean, I think like despite what they say, they do hate children. I mean, it's, you don't keep doing the same thing if you don't like it. You don't accidentally, uh, oh, whoops, I made a girl cry. Oh, whoops, I terrified all the kids at my school. Oh, whoops. No, you like doing it. I mean, I guess this, this, this recalls to mind the, uh, the, the Travis Scott Astro World week 
Remember like two days when like people were convinced that Travis Scott was harvesting souls as part of some demonic energy ritual? You don't know he didn't. Did anyone follow up on that? Did anyone follow up on that, though? Yeah, we solved it. (laughs) We got to the bottom of it. Uh, Travis Scott said he'll never do that again. (laughs) Okay, good. And we can move on to other things. You can move on to this mural that's harvesting souls. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, okay, so everyone, everyone wants, like, some type of meaning in their life, like some struggle they can overcome. Every American wants the feeling of wearing shoes that are too tight and then taking them off or, you know, even worse, going to see live music and then the concert mercilessly ending to overcome something. (laughs) Uh, But no one actually you don't actually want to do the part where you go to the concert or put the shoes on. You need some type of struggle. And it's very easy to struggle against children. You end up doing fucking rinse kids. But in general, yeah, you end up struggling against people who it's very easy to struggle against. I think that's that's sort of the heart of the function of it, of a lot of this stuff. The cause is multi-headed. I don't know. I mean, it's just like it seems now we're in a situation in which both sides of like this, I don't know, culture war split in this country regards the other as basically like cannot be reasoned with, cannot be you know, democratically assuaged and represent a kind of ignorant savagery that is leading to like a full-on like national suicide and the thing is i'm not making any kind of moral fucking uh moral comparison or equivalence here but like both sides believe that to be true of the other side and are in their own internal coherent logic basically right about the other i'm not saying like i think obviously one is more justified than the other but the thing is like you know if schools and our society in general became more accepting of gay people or transgender people that would represent a a certain sense an existential threat not to the lives of these people obviously but to their kind of i don't know what what they would regard as the, the something that gives their life meaning which is in a way like in their minds kind of like being killed yeah i mean there's no there they're incompatible social visions uh, and like the, the importance that people put on them is I think uh, distorted by the, that, yeah, this weird uh, anxiety field because it's the only way that they can describe any of the other things going wrong. Like all every, every material cause of, of uh, anxiety precarity that we feel is, is essentially unspeakable. It, it, it is unaddressable. So, that means every and, and every personal you know conflict is is largely uh, uh, intractable for people who aren't able to change their conditions. So this becomes the, these these models, these visions of of like you know, social justice or social virtue become the only terrain of any meaningful contest because politicians are actually addressing them because there is a sense that. One side or another can move them in one way or another. You can vote to get somebody on the school board who will do X or Y. And so this becomes, of course, it becomes the place where the most psychic energy goes because it's the place where there is a sense that there is a contest to be won. Do you think that part of it is sort of the frontier coming home? If we're going to expand it to all 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 uh, factions of politically engaged American life, at least in the mainstream? That like yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah yeah on one side uh it, you know the more like liberal Russia gate side has taken on the the national security state's posture of looking for traitors and and subversion and foreign actors and uh, the 
Weirdly enough, the right wing side has taken a cue from liberal interventionists. They have almost a Samantha Powers view of the of the domestic that they have to they have to rescue children and women from these awful liberals who are now the Taliban. Everyone took cues from the other side and brought home the things that we've been inflicting on the rest of the world. Yeah, I mean, I guess like if if you're the the, the PTA school mom who sees any kind of um, acceptance of gay or transgender kids as a kind of a threat to your cultural life. I think the response that they're like these people, their solution to that is to threaten the actual lives of everyone else. And as long as we're talking about democracy, um, let's talk about uh, voting. The other thing that is terrifying most Americans these days. And I'm just going to talk a little bit about this is a Washington Post piece by uh, Dana Milbank. Uh, in Nevada, election deniers prepared to sabotage the midterms. So this is about like uh, just like the, the spate of sort of poll watchers, sort of like a vigilante poll and election uh, integrity advocates that are going to make this midterm election in a lot of states kind of a disaster or at least like has the potential to be like, let's look at this piece. Uh, Dateline, Pahrump, Nevada. That's where the uh, all the prostitution is, by the way. If the Nevada midterm elections degenerate into chaos in a couple of weeks, a very real possibility, then Nevada is poised to lead the way. Indeed, the chaos here has already begun. The election supervisors in 10 of the state's 17 counties have already quit, been forced out, or announced their departures. Lower-level election workers have quit in the face of consistent abuse. The state's election staff has lost eight of its 12 employees. The Republican Secretary of State, who vigorously defends the integrity of the 2020 election, is term-limited, and the GOP nominee to replace her, Jim Marchant, leads a national group of election deniers running for office. Marchant is on record saying that if he and his fellow candidates are elected, we are going to fix the whole country, and President Trump is going to be president again. So I guess, like, uh, how I'm thinking about, like, this article in conjunction with the, the the school mural one is... Like in the face of a, I think largely uh, corporate engineered price crisis that's you know referred to on the news as inflation, and a Federal Reserve instigated recession that we're all dealing with now, we are we're we're heading into the midterms like in in coming out of a pandemic, going into a recession, at, you know at which people's lives are like more precarious than they've maybe ever been, just drug addiction, uh, just social alienation across the board. And I guess the question is, like, as you look at these things, like, are already shitty democracy and just like the basic functionaries of like counting votes and affirming elections are now being sort of hounded out of their ability to do so by people who refuse to accept any democratic outcome that they don't favor. So I guess my question is, how does it feel? And like, what, where is this all going as America, I think, now transforms itself from a fake managed democracy into a very real and authentic non-democracy. Do you think there's a difference between the two? Or like, what, what do you make of like the, the, the vote panic stuff in addition to the satanic panic stuff? I think it's the only way it makes, it's, it, the only way it uh, resolves is uh, what Nat, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene likes to talk about, the national divorce. Uh, but not formally. I think you would just have... Uh, you're just going to end up in a situation where whatever uh, coalition of political uh, power is able to uh, hold on to state governance in the near future and then codify their role, the rule through their control of the ballots is then going to impose 
uh, a uh, a settlement onto the state in question of these culture questions. You know, the the, the economic questions are going to be, as always, uh, not up for up for even debate, let alone vote. And people are going to the the, the remaining democracy will be uh, voting with your feet, going to a state whose uh, stru- whose whose structures, whose like uh, for official values are in line with your own. If you can afford it, if you can't, you will suffer under whatever consequences uh, that those systems have, which are going to be about the same, the lower you are on the socioeconomic level. Uh, it'll be similar to live in any of them, but well, if you have a little bit of money uh, and you have a, a, a skill or you have credentials, you're going to move to where uh, it's amenable and that will replace uh, voting as like the meaningful act of choosing your representation. The great American divorce though, uh, it would be unsustainable because states cannot, you know, issue their own currency. They can't, uh, well, no, I, all that so, stuff is not, I don't think that stuff's going to divorce. I think you're still going to have some sort of technocratic, probably military backed like, uh, Matthew McConaughey or the rock facing national government, but all real politics will be done at the state level and will be done by these, uh, whatever uh, group of interest, you know, whatever, whatever collection of uh, agitated middle-class voters connected to local regimes of political and economic power are going to impose on everybody else a sort of permanent settlement that's not going to be up for voting anymore. I mean, I, I see, I, I almost see that as like a transitory step too, though. And I don't know what comes after. Yeah, no, no, nothing. I mean, this is all like just steps in a process. Like n- nothing, there is no more. I don't think anybody can have any more fantasy that there are, uh, 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 there's anything more than a, a temporary devolutionary development. Like there is no, there is no stability. There's no bedrock that anything could be built on. Just people reacting to changing conditions, uh, es- essentially, uh, ad hoc without the ability to coordinate effectively without the ability to rely on institutions that have been completely hollowed out uh, just basically riffing uh, just trying to keep the lights on and trying to stay in power more importantly than anything I could see maybe over a 200 or 300 year period walking backwards into the EU where <laughs> event like we do yeah no like we do the um, we do the we do the divorce and then like after a hundred years like the red states are like Actually, you know what? We don't want to be in a currency union. Like the the Amer- the we're going to be using the Amero at this point. The Amero is yeah. cucked. We don't want. There's too much debt on it. Fuck the Amero. And then you know, like the Florida, Alabama, whatever Confederacy becomes. You know, Italy. There are all these analogs. And then eventually, uh, we walk backwards into an EU type setup where the union of Pennsylvania, New York, Illinois. That, that's Germany. And the entire the entire uh, currency union reforms and the finance capital blue super center is the Germany that sets all policy. And I don't know, I guess uh, where where would Greece be? Or I guess most most places would be Greece. Yeah. Like, yeah. Florida is a good would be a good Greece, I think. Yeah. So I, I can uh, see just, us going into that. If you're one of our listeners, that's going to live 300 years. You know, let us know. If this happens, send, send, send some messages back in our dreams. Yeah. If you're an alien who's listening to this in the future, let us know. Was, were we right? If you're the successor species to humanity, the octopus yeah. uh, lobster ape hybrid, were we right? Yeah. 
Answers on a parse card, care of Chapo Trap House. Uh, just a, real quick from the, from the Nevada voting article. It just says here, a few in Nevada counties, meanwhile, are in the process of sabotaging their vote counting procedures. After Marchand traveled the state making presentations with false allegations of voting machine fraud, at least four counties have taken steps toward abandoning voting machines and running elections by paper ballot and hand counting, a process certain to delay results and introduce more errors. Now, I know Dana Milbank says that, but like, and look, I, I, I think like, you know, all the, things about how voting machines are rigged or whatever is you know bullshit but i mean they could be rigged right i mean i don't i don't i don't guess i i guess i don't see like that we should, we should just go back to pulling the lever i'm, I'm tired of, i never I'm got tired to pull the, the lever i want to pull, the, I fucking pull lever. the fucking lever i mean plenty of other countries do hand ballots too but like look the the point is that like the the, the gop like should they get power again which they almost certainly will do are is going to go full throttle to i mean like like any like remaining shard of democratic consent is a threat to their ongoing power. And they're going to get rid of it in addition to getting rid of social security and Medicare. Like that's, that's going to happen. And I guess like, as long as we're talking about voting, I mean, where things stand now in the midterms is it's like, it's pretty much reverting to form in that, like the Democrats are going to lose control of Congress. I mean, that that's almost for certain at this point. Would you, am I, am I crazy? Do you guys agree with me on that? Yeah, no, no, I, I, do. I think it's, I, mean, I don't yeah, know about I, what Felix. No, I mean, I think I've, it's always been extremely likely that they lose the house no matter what. Um, I still don't know about the Senate. I don't know. Reddit man, uh, John Reddit man, uh, hit some, hit a skid in the road, so to speak, but he's still like, I don't know. I still kind of think Reddit man wins. I obviously think warlock wins in general. I don't think it's going to be, I think I'm still right because I said, I don't think it's going to be a slaughter back in March. I still don't yeah, really yeah. think it's going to be that. Um, but we'll see. I mean, like, uh, if we've learned anything, it's that polls absolutely suck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's for sure. So who I mean, knows? Like, it wouldn't it would be hilarious if it was like an off year blue wave? That would be the fun. That would be hysterical. It's not going to happen. But I don't know. I feel like there's going to be some surprises in there. Well, I mean, look, like the situation as it currently exists is that the the, the more people who vote generally benefits the Democratic Party and the less people able to vote benefits the Republicans. And they're going to push that advantage as much as they possibly can, if not outright canceling democracy in states where they have control. So I suppose, dear listener, you're thinking to yourself, look, this is horrible. Even in our shit sham democracy, like just certain certain things, this is a bridge too far. I would I would like you still like to have your vote count even in a fake election. So there's got to be someone on the Democratic side who has made voting um, their number one issue and voting rights their number one issue. And they have an organization set up to counteract the disenfranchisement of voters in a state like Georgia. Let's check in on uh, what the Democratic side is doing to preserve democracy. Stacey Abrams' campaign chair collected millions in legal fees from voting rights organization. Fair Fight Action, the nonprofit founded by Abrams, paid her close friend and allies law firm $9.4 million in 2019 and 2020, with two more years of billing yet to be disclosed. It's consulting all the way down in the Democratic Party. Well, this is a new one. Usually you just pay the consultant. I've not seen it done through a law firm. I do like, I like uh, Abrams's whole thing, which was like that demographics uh, were going in like, and voting was going in like one direction in Georgia over the last eight years. And for her to just be like, yeah, I, I did that. I always thought that was that was awesome. And it worked in the sense that enough people were like, yeah, she did that. I mean, 
turnout in Georgia, like turnout for early voting in Georgia has been, I think it's been past 2020 and possibly past 2018. I don't know, but um, I still don't think she's going to win, but she'll be able to be like, hey, look, I did that. I had I built this whole NGO around it. The voting rights organization founded by Stacey Abrams spent more than $25 million over two years on legal fees, mostly on a single case, with the largest amount going to the self-described boutique law firm of the candidate's campaign chairwoman. Allegra Lawrence Hardy, Abrams' close friend who chaired her gubernatorial campaign both in 2018 and her current bid to unseat Georgia Governor Brian Kemp, is one of two parties named in Lawrence and Bundy, a small firm with fewer than two dozen attorneys. The firm received $9.4 million from Abrams' group Fair Fight Action in 2019 and 2020, the last years for which federal tax filings are available. Uh, Fair Fight Action has maintained that the suit, which ended last month when a federal judge ruled uh, against the group on all three remaining claims, served an important role in drawing attention to voting inequities. But some outside the group questioned both the level of expenditures devoted to a single largely unsuccessful legal action and the fact that such a large payout went to the firm of Abrams' close friend and campaign chair. Those concerns were heightened by the fact that Abrams' national campaign against voter suppression galvanized the Democratic Party, many of whose top donors helped fill its coffers. Well, that's the way the world turns. Everyone has a different way of doing things. You know, uh, Republicans have a different way of uh, paying people. It goes through like eight eight layers, and then you have to like pay the National Enquirer guy for like a, a woman that a fat guy knocked up. There are a lot of confusing steps. And this is generally how the Democratic ship goes around. Republicans also love uh, just having a dark money syndicate just buy someone's book in giant pallets that's a good one and just i think democrats are doing that now though they should i mean hey you know that that's that's easy money if you're not doing that you're fucking up well yeah i mean like do you really believe it when they're like oh um eric swalwell's book is a bestseller <laughs> did they claim that eric swalwell's <laughs> book was a bestseller i don't even know i don't even know if he fucking wrote a book but it just that fi- i've seen too many things like that happen you know Ooh, chelsea chelsea clinton's uh choose your own mystery book actually sold 20 million copies um don't forget on the republican side that at a certain level payment is always meted out in sports memorabilia or racehorses that's a very important figure of republican graft um but yeah like so uh, the stacy abrams people are saying that this is a this is a hit piece against her i mean like she's down by 10 points in the yeah, it's like, what, oh point. no we need to stop stacy abrams like she's doing a great job of that herself she's <laughs> She's uh, walking L. I would be shocked if she won. No, she's not going to win. I mean, so, so, somebody should be fucking, I don't know, challenging the, the disenfranchisement of voters on a massive scale. But it just seems like this is just uh, like the, the number one Democrat person who's like, I'm here to stand for voting rights is just, you know, just like uh, how many voters did her group actually register versus how much money did they spend on like administrative costs? It just seems like, yeah, like this is... This is the way things are done. The, hey, the problems are real, but the solutions, folks, uh, they all involve paying my friend $9 million. And they don't actually solve anything. Yeah, no, there's no, yeah, the solutions, they don't exist. Yeah, the solution to me not having a houseboat, that exists. Uh, I, do, I do have to say, though, uh, early numbers suggest my warlock pick is dead on. I will say it does look like warlock might have cast a deadly spell mm-hmm. uh, on the voters of uh, Georgia and won, which is honestly too bad. Because I was really looking forward to Herschel Walker in the Senate going ham. That would have been, oh, man. It's like time to do a citizen's arrest of uh, Charles Schumer with like a, a fucking badge he got out of a Cracker Jack box. <laughs> putting, putting an M60 machine gun in Diane Feinstein's mouth. 
<laughs> That's just good old wholesome fun. You, you know, know, we didn't talk about like the last, the last episode when we talked about sheriff's departments. I mean, in exhibit A in the case against should sheriff's departments exist is that they gave that fucking moron uh, like a badge and we're like, yeah, you're a cop now. Yeah. You no, can the, help us in this county. There was a great video where he was standing right next to like uh, one of those like one of those sheriffs who shaped exactly like Grimace. And the guy was like, well, here we go. For all the people who doubted, I am declaring that Herschel Walker officially has a wife killing license in Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess of like, you know, as as the polls tighten up or like, you know, I, I, I think we're all on the same page here is that like, you know, the GOP is going to take back control of Congress, but it's not going to be like a complete washout for them. But at the same time, it's like if you look at like polls to the extent to which we just take them seriously, um, it does seem to me that like among the the normal white contingent that uh, we're so interested in as a demographically uh, powerful uh, voting block, it does seem that their concern has shifted away from abortion being criminalized to um, cereal is too damn expensive and gas and things like that. Bull suck. Don't care until whatever happens happens. But I mean, yeah, I mean, like like we say, like we said, even when the Democrats are doing doing better in stupid polls. All they really have is abortion, right? Because what is like what is what, what is their straightforward message on any economic issue? They don't have any. There there's nothing they, well, they can really say. Abortion was always the only thing that they really had. Well, I mean like now they're looking at a situation in which they're like, you know, they they know what's going to happen in 2023, which is that the Republicans are going to use the debt ceiling to, you know, basically force cuts to Medicare and Social Security. Their response to that uh, well, we can't. We definitely can't get rid of the debt ceiling. I we got to keep. Yeah, we, yeah I mean, a debt house with no debt ceiling. The yeah, rain will just get in on all my place. debt. Yeah, but I mean, I, but once again, I think that's probably because they would like to cut Social Security and Medicare themselves. But oh, the Republicans are going to force them to do it by holding the the nation's debt hostage. Oh darn it! Oh geez, oh, you're no. really twisting my arm here. And you know, like. You know, the, the Federal Reserve is conjuring. They're in the they got the they got the Volcker summoning circle right now. They're conjuring a recession right now. And they're saying it quite openly um, because, you know, they need a recession to deal with inflation. Ha ha. Or so they say. I mean, it, it's really a recession intended to discipline the, the labor force. I mean, you could you could have deflationary measures by taxing the wealthy. That would bring prices down or like that would, you know the dollar would be worth more in that case. But like, what do you guys make of just inflation as the number one issue that people are concerned about or that the politicians have to pretend to have to deal with? Uh, I think that it's a valid uh, sexual practice. <laughs> I don't think, I think I understand that sometimes people get triggered seeing it at like the Fulton street fair or something, but you know, uh, it's not harmful. Uh, I've the actors have assured me that the, the, the testicles can be inflated uh, repeatedly without damage. So I think people just need to uh, stop yucking people's young. I mean, what is there to say about it? It's not surprising that it's an issue. It's like the exact type of thing that would piss voters off. Yeah, uh, regard, re regardless of whether you go like, okay, we were due for inflation. We had red hot equities market with weirdly low inflation for forever. Uh, whatever explanation you choose to use, whether it's um, this is the Vladimir Putin inflation tax or whatever. I mean, yeah, I don't, what else is there to say about it? There's nothing to be there's nothing that anyone will do about it other than the one button they have, which is to try to create a recession, which is not working even on uh, inflation. And we're instead uh, now 
deep into uh, brandonization, which is stagflation for the 21st century. Yeah, they um, they unexpectedly added 270,000 jobs, all political cartoonists hired to draw the fiscal cliff in next year's political <laughs> cartoons. A j- yeah, a jobs program for people labeling things in cartoons. Yeah. Taxes, the national debt. It's like an anvil teetering yeah. over the edge of a cliff. Well, I mean, you know, what what is there to really say about any of this? Um, polls suck. You, you can't pull one thing or another out of them. Um, people will vote, maybe not as much as they like, maybe more than they'd like. Maybe they were forced by someone else to vote. And uh, we're going to keep on branding. Something we've talked about on this episode and others is this kind of like, you know, Felix, you said we are sort of going backwards in time into a sort of EU situation. We've talked before about how culture is slowly moving backwards in time so that like our current we're our current trends are somewhere around the early aughts maybe but this is all part and parcel of you know a a a growing political movement and by political movement i mean some memes that are online of those who would entreat us to continue moving back in time and in fact return to a more traditional era of uh sort of social homogeneity and uh, social trust, right? Return to tradition. We've all seen the memes, but the return to tradition people are actually moving forward in history. And this is what's interesting to me. Because, you know, when these memes started, they'd be like, return to being a medieval peasant and being sure, sure of your faith in God and your place in his kingdom and, you know, feast, feast days and, you know, backbreaking agricultural labor for the other third or two thirds of the year. That's one form of tradition. Then another, another, another return to tradition is like the ads of the 1950s, you know, like uh, Don Draper coming home and there's Sally and she's got a drink for him and smoking a cigarette and he's in a crisp suit looking good. But the latest iteration of returning to tradition would have us return to a, that bygone era, the halcyon days of like the mid to late 90s. I'm referring about, uh, this is a, a Twitter thread that got some got some juice this week and uh, Rolling Stone has an article about it that I think uh, was kind of funny. So uh, headline anti-woke crusader is trying a new recruitment tool. 1990s nostalgia theorist. Michael Young used retro video game art by an unwitting designer to argue that the postmodern world has killed traditional values. Have you guys seen the art in question here? It's these um, two toe headed boys in propeller caps playing a video game. Metal Gear Solid actually on PSX while they eat a meal that has not been seen since 1999, spaghetti and meatballs. The article begins, it's been years since the heyday of only 90s kids will remember clickbait, the listicles that sent us back to a neon-flecked era of Power Rangers CDs, Beanie Babies, and VHS tape. But nostalgia dies hard, and now a Canadian man considering a, considered a leading intellectual in far-right media is trying to convince people that woke culture obliterated the happiness you once felt playing Nintendo 64. Michael Young is a visiting fellow at the Center for Renewing America. Okay, this guy's a Canadian, and he's a visiting fellow at the Center for Renewing America. Get out of here! Get the fuck out of here. Go to Renew fucking Canada. Get out of my face. Yeah, I don't see Center for Renewing the Americas. (laughs) Center for Renewing North America. Yeah. Uh, uh, A conservative think tank that exists to combat supposed threats to the nation like vaccine mandates and critical race theory. Apart from his work with CRA, Young has written for right-wing publications like The Federalist and co-authored an anti-LGBTQ pamphlet titled A Parent's Guide to Radical Gender Theory with the conservative agitator Christopher Rufo. But Young's real audience is on Twitter, 
whereas at Wokal distance, he unspools grandiose threads about the collapse of a once proud Western culture for some 220,000 followers. Often this involves attacking woke politics, but recently Young went viral with a different strategy, presenting artwork of blissful children with retro games consoles and toys to play on millennial nostalgia. The overwrought self-serious tweets backfired as people parodied Young's comments and accused him of yearning for Pokemon cards. Critics helped re- heaped so much ridicule on Young's infantilizing theory of a lost world worth fighting for that he locked his account for at least a day. Although already blocked on Twitter for lightly roasting his thread, this Rolling Stone reporter attempted to contact Young through the communications director of the Center for Renewing America, who did not provide a way of getting in touch with Young or offer comment on his tweets. So... Uh, this is a funny thing because I guess it's just like the, 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 these halcyon images of, you know, usually it's like young boys on Christmas and they're ripping open the package and it's a Nintendo 64. You get to play a game, you get to play GoldenEye with your friends. I mean, we talked before about how sort of like 90s nostalgia or people pining for like uh, how happy and they were as kids is sort of like a byproduct of, well, yeah, like of, of course everyone was happier as kids because, you know, you got PlayStation on Christmas and you didn't have a fucking job to worry about. But at the same time, it's like, isn't on a certain level, everyone has this kind of curdled nostalgia for the nineties because it really was like the last decade yeah. when like the, the, the future existed. And now like we've, we've gotten to the future in the 21st century and come to find out that there is none, there is no future. It's only going yeah, backwards I gotta say, in time. It, it definitely makes you want to go back and apologize to everyone who was a Y2K hysteric because they were effectively correct. Like, because you had the millennium coming and everyone was excited. Oh, the next millennium, what will it bring? And then you had these uh, hysterical party poopers freaking out about some computer glitch. But it turns out that they were right, that that, that things were going to uh, go on a completely different trajectory than what anybody uh, in, in general culture was assuming at that time. Uh, and, and the vibrations were there and that they were the really uh, the only ones feeling that. And of course, sp- as is always the case, like the specific content of their uh, argument, the, the, the computers are going to go on the fritz was wrong. But uh, the broader sense that the computers, among other things, were going to destroy us is absolutely correct. I think it's funny to choose the 90s because that's like that's when they did the actual Great Reset. Like oh, that, yeah, that, totally. that's when they actually like did it. You know, yeah. that's when they did like NAFTA and welfare reform and everything. That's the actual Great Reset. But um, I don't know. I mean, as always, I, I I think it's phones. Did I tell you guys about like the trad opinion that I came up with? <laughs> no. Um, that okay. So hobos, classic train riding hobos, are um, they they had a code of honor. They had their own culture and language. They uh, they performed feats of trickery and were they they were honest in a sense. They had uh, a code. They had a code. They dre- they wore suits. Modern homeless people are just um, mindless drug zombies. Yeah, they would they would never make a uh, beans uh, with sterno. No, they, they, would, they would never carefully put all of their uh, items into a bindle. No, they would never have a competition to, to become emperor of the North Pole. All right. Here, here's my anti trad opinion. Uh, the, the, the modern unhoused 
actually exist in a state of anarcho-communal uh, horizontal organization, whereas the bad reactionary hobos of yore submitted themselves and others to a cruel system of hierarchical monarchy ruled over by the so-called emperor of the North Pole. Folks, let's decolonize hobos. Let's decolonize wanna, yeah. freight trains. I want to clarify, this is not my actual opinion, but I do think a, tra- a trad guy should do that. Should, like, uh, point out that hope, like, you know, there was a code of honor. Maybe don't mention those things that um, Carl Panzram said about being slutted out by hobos. Um, but, you know, again, I, it's not my view. I don't, you know, I don't think the drug zombie thing, I'm, I'm just, I'm offering an opinion for sale. Oh, wait, who got who got wait who got slitted out by hobos? A lot of people in history, but um, <laughs> Carl Panzram allegedly said that when he wrote his Carl autobiography. Panzram? Oh my God, Will, you you have not been following uh, Felix's true crime arc enough. Carl Panzram, classic uh, hobo murderer from the early twentieth oh, okay. century. Yeah, he, he was a okay. very early American serial killer, early in modernity. I, I do like people keep pointing out to this guy, uh, you can play video games and eat uh, spaghetti and meatballs now, but it won't feel like it felt when you were a kid. No, it won't. He, he, that like is ashes a correct, in your mouth. He is, a, he is correctly identified a real absence because like, if you cannot move forward as an adult, if you have no hope that you will be able to, to shape your destiny, which is what the promise of adulthood has traditionally been, uh, then what is left? But nostalgia for the the total lack of responsibility, the total uh, the pleasant, you know, unalienated, unstructured leisure time of childhood. And so, what else is to be sought but making that uh, your goal? Since since you're not going to realistically be in charge of anything, I do think he's like it. Like the thing is stupid. It's stupid for a billion reasons. It's stupid, especially because it's like he's putting it up like it's a thing you can vote for, kind of. Yeah. Like if you <laughs> if you turn out in enough midterms, like you won't be depressed anymore. But like there, there is some like in the literal exact thing he's talking about, right? Like the you don't have the feeling you used to have when you were like playing video games with your friends. And like part of that, obviously, no shit. You're not a child anymore. But. There is like there is some truth to the sense that like just being around other people post phones, it it does feel like something is kind of lost like a little bit, a little bit of the way that we relate to each other and understand each other in social relationships has irreparably changed just by virtue of, you know, having having a thing that lights up your brain in the same way that a fucking slot machine does in your pocket that you look at for like 18 hours a fucking day. But that's I mean, that's a That's not like the literal thing he's saying. Again, his point is like you'll feel exactly like you did uh, on the best day of your life when you were nine forever. If like Donald Trump is elected. <laughs> I think, look, the, the 90s were fun, but I think people today have lost sight of a different period in American history. And it's one that, um, similar to the Renewing America guy, I would like to renew. It's a land that I think we would like to return to. It's a land that I've probably felt the most myself upon visiting. It's, how shall I describe it? Um, 
it's it's a land it's far away but it's beside the crystal fountains and you know it's a great place the handouts grow on bushes uh the boxcars are all empty the sun shines every day uh they've got birds and bees and cigarette trees and you know you can just pick them right off the pick them have a smoke they grow on trees that's right folks i'm talking about the big rock candy mountain and i think it's time to renew the big rock candy mountain I think we should all live there. I think we need to go back to the feeling that we had when we found out that all the rail yard bulls, their dogs have rubber teeth. And we can just chill in a boxcar, have a, have a little fire, smoke cigarettes, and eat beans with your friends. And quite frankly, I think uh, wokeness has um, uh, deprived us of, of our birthright to live and, uh, you know, or even visit the Big Rock County Mountain. Well, the Big Rock Candy Mountain was is the it's the lumpen uh, articulation of the post scarcity utopia promised by communism, uh, and that's what's so infuriating about all of this is that everybody is grasping towards a a a, a actual approach like real political horizon, but because uh, the uh, institutions and the the cultural structures they live in have have been designed to deny even the possibility to deny even the articulation publicly of that horizon. It just gets uh, curdled and turned inward and, and made into reactionary fantasies. You had to like, if you were a kid in the thirties and you found out your dad like left the family and he was a hobo. Now you had to have felt like such a loser, like such a bad <laughs> kid. Like he didn't even start a new family. <laughs> He's just like, he's just riding the train and getting slutted out because he's a new hobo. Uh, That's why you fought in the Korean War if you were born in the 30s. I mean, I'd be pissed that he was, you know, uh, I had to go to school and he was, you know, uh, fucking picking cigarettes off trees and getting soft boiled eggs that are just laid by the hens. Yeah. I got to eat hardtack. We should bring back hardtack to give to unviable males. <laughs> Uh, there's a lake of stew and whiskey too a lake of stew okay we need to get rid of the debt ceiling and create a stew lake tomorrow see this is an actual concrete proposal that people could get excited about that would not involve doing witch trials on teenagers if people okay if people had better access to stew do you think that they would be so so fucking I don't know scared of demons all the time universal basic stew that's what we're talking about (laughs) I'd argue I mean isn't like isn't that what like witches are cooking? Yeah, you should are. Big, in, yeah. In, in that big pot? No, no, no. <laughs> They're not eating that. No, I'd say stew is one of the most evil foods. It's definitely <laughs> like a. It's definitely. Hey, you a, did it's a, definitely like a, a boiling cauldron. Yeah. Um. What goes in there? Evil stuff, or sometimes an explorer. It's like it's traditionally the food of pre-Christian cultures, or anti-christian cultures like witches if i can't have stew then i don't want to be part of your revolution i always i always thought that was funny like the the drawings of the uh, explorer like just standing in the cauldron like how long it, that has to take like seven weeks to, to break down it. the meat and everything yeah well he's like always up to like his knees are you just like are you just hoping that like the broth tenderizes his legs until the point that they just like that they're gone 
I don't know. Is I don't think I maybe I'm not looking at the same pictures of of explorers in stew pots as you are. Well, no, I mean, like, I always think that I always see that like they're up there to their their neck or something. Yeah, and, like yeah, and, and, and then and then there's like the, then there's like the chef and he's like cutting uh, his carrots and celery yeah, into exactly. the broth yeah. as the guy is silly, you know, on a, on a, on a simmer. I would say if you get an, if you get an explorer, I, you're gonna need. I mean, I cannot recommend uh, Le Creuset enough. You know, some of that enamel cast iron really captures and holds temperature and even evenly distributed so i'd say like for your average explorer two to three hours at a low simmer i'm just i'm just starting to think like just going by the logistics of it i don't think it ever happened no way starting to bullshit bullshit ever put ever put a fully clothed explorer (laughs) into a pot no i just don't think it happened like that i'm starting to think If you're a professor who's teaching this, to I'm kids, calling bullshit. Sto- yeah, stop where's Snopes it. on this? Yeah. <laughs> I just I don't think it's right that we um, still think that, that everyone still thinks that happened. Oh, this is interesting. Just checking Snopes. It says that the idea that explorers were ever cooked uh, full, whole, well clothed in pots is Russian disinformation. Oh, wow. Oh. OK, well, then explain to me the lost feeling of warmth and camaraderie I had with my best friends. When we played Goldeneye together, waiting for an explorer to fucking melt off the bone in the kitchen, and the smells wafted into the living room, and just uh, there was a white blanket of snow outside, and the, the mom would come into the room and she'd say, "Who, who wants his nose? I've got toenails here, toenail <laughs> chips." That is that is like the, I mean, there's like a ton of stupid things about like making that a political program, but like. That like that specific like new genre of art and like post about like remember what it was like when you were nine. It's like, yeah, no, I remember like the good sleepovers, but I also remember like the average day when I was nine or ten or eleven, which is like did I get like, no pussy? Yeah, get it. Well, like, <laughs> you know, did I ruin my dick by jacking off before I could ejaculate like actual semen? Like I just the with the weird things that you think when you're a kid. <laughs> finding about you know you've only known about like the concept of death for a few years you're still working around that uh the concept of death was not as disturbing to me as when i realized that at some point in the future our sun would expand to the point that it would incinerate the entire yeah, planet that, that's that really making it, making that, it all ashes for eternity that yeah that's 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 hard to onboard when you're nine years old but hey i mean like overall thinking about it like you know were things better in the 90s did you have more fun as a kid you know maybe but like in life we trade our innocence for self-awareness and i think i you know like if you want to add a political dimension to that i mean i think there is something very sinister about inculcating in people a sense that they should remain innocent and blissful forever or that that they need to be as a child would be you needed to be need to be protected from you know the, the the evils and terrors of this half-worn world but if there's no if there's no protection against them i mean if if there is no way to negotiate the wider world to your to your demands to your preferences to what you think is the right then a retreat is the only solution right like that's it like the only thing to do is to vote to to, to protect you uh, from having to to negotiate with a wider world that refuses your in in any in every way refuses to to take into account or or uh, 
metabolize your your demands or your desires? Uh, well, I think we just uh, need to need to hang the jerk who invented work. Indeed, I mean, always. That's always been the goal. That's always been the that's the mission of humanity. But uh, but it doesn't look like we're going to get our shit together to actually do it. Okay. All right, so uh, I'm going to wrap up the show here for today. Uh, we'll talk to you guys again soon. And just a reminder, uh, we'll be at Revolution in Fort Lauderdale, Florida on uh, this upcoming Saturday. So hope to see you guys um, in Florida to round out our fall tour, which has gone spectacularly so far. I want to thank, again, Chicago, L.A., New York, everyone who came out and saw us. Uh, it's been fantastic. Stavi Baby, 95 Bulls, Solips, L.A. Witch, and then coming up in Fort Lauderdale, Donzi. So, hope to see you guys in uh, Florida on Saturday. Sunday? Wait, Sunday? Sunday. To see you Sunday in sunny South Florida, uh, rounding out the tour. Um, yeah, we, we are going to Miami. Chapo is officially going to Miami. And honey, where a bum can stay for many a day, and he won't need any money. The buzz of the bees and the cigarette trees The soda water fountain Where the lemonade springs and the bluebird sings In that big rock candy mountain In the big rock candy